This is the Physical Activity Researcher Podcast, a podcast for researchers of sedentary behavior, physical activity, and sports. Join for a relaxed dialogue about research design, practicalities, and, well, anything related to research. Learn from your fellow researchers useful and relevant information that does not fit into formal content and limited space of scientific publications. And here is your host, researcher and entrepreneur, Oli Tikkanen. Welcome, everyone. In this episode, we are going to talk, talk about behavior change in children, and we have a great guest for this episode. Our guest is doing her PhD at Loughborough University in UK, and her work is focused on developing a family-based wearable intervention using the behavior change wheel. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our guest, Amy Creaser. Welcome, Amy. Thank you very much. Uh, excited to be here. Yeah, nice to nice to have you. So, should we start? Would you like to introduce yourself in the beginning? Yeah, hi, so I'm Amy, so I'm a final year PhD student at Loughborough University within the UK, um, and my PhD is focusing on the development of a family-based intervention using wearable activity trackers, so like you said, using the behaviour change wheel um, to kind of look at the feasibility of using wearable activity trackers within the family um, and co-develop an intervention with families as well. Mm. And and have I understood correctly that you did in the beginning a systemic review to see what kind of interventions are there? Yes, yeah, so um, I conducted a systematic review as part of my PhD. So there was one that was conducted in 2016 and they only found around five studies that were using wearable activity trackers um, to increase physical activity in children. So we wanted to update that review and, and focus a lot on the feasibility as well as the, the effectiveness. So from 2016, that being uh, five studies, we actually identified 33 studies uh, in our systematic review. So definitely a lot more studies uh, interested in this kind of uh, area in children and physical activity. Um, with regards to kind of results, we found um, wearables could increase steps and moderate to vigorous physical activity in children and reduce sedentary behaviour. Um, but we do have to be a little bit cautious with um, the findings because we didn't really find high quality studies. Um, like there was very few control trials and things like that. Um, but there's definitely been like a progression uh, within the field. So a lot more studies doing this, but uh, not good quality studies, what what were the most common problems in, in relation to quality? Um, well, I think it was that a lot of them didn't necessarily claim to be big intervention studies. They were still very much in the, the feasibility pilot stage of it, so not having a control group, for example. Um, but I think we were very cautious in the fact that these... So we didn't, in our review, we didn't say they were intervention studies. We called them effectiveness studies because some of these studies they weren't claiming to have, um, you know, to be this big intervention and really con like really test whether they're effective or not. They were just kind of piloting them and then measuring physical activity maybe as like a secondary outcome rather than a primary. Um, so hence why we also kind of focused on the feasibility side as well. So not just looking at like the quantitative. We're looking at the qualitative literature as well. 
And what kind of things were there in feasibility? I think there's quite many possible obstacles when you have parents, you have children, you have quite complicated apps and devices. So how how was the kind of main findings related to feasibility? Yeah, I think a lot of it was what you would expect. And I think a lot of it is similar to kind of the traditional pedometer literature. So a lot of issues with usability kind of being the primary one. So I think that's a big barrier that you have to overcome. So we can't just think about do wearables increase physical activity. The main, the first barrier is how do we actually get people to use them and want to use them long term. So that was that was a big one with usability. Um, the novelty effect as well. So this kind of initial interest of using devices typically lasting between two and four weeks and then kind of reducing um, people kind of lose interest in the devices they sometimes come bored of them and that was that was a big common common theme within the literature and the studies that we identified Um, and just differences in whether they increase physical activity or not or perceived physical activity when we're looking at the qualitative side um, so some people, some children, some studies, they were really um, positive in the fact that they believed that wearables could increase their physical activity and other children and adolescents weren't. Um, they didn't see it as a way to increase physical activity. Mm. So you said that the usability is one of the problems. Do you, Did you see that the usability would be the problem why people... Did you want to use them long term or do you think it's just that the, it's the novelty and then they are not kind of interested even if it would be easy to use? Yeah, I think, again, it depends on the person. So I know there's a lot of kind of acceptance models of, for example, technology acceptance model, which would kind of claim that ease of use would be one of the key factors that are influencing the actual use of the technology. Um, and I think there's some findings that do support that. But then I also think even when a device is easy to use and people enjoy using them, it's, well, one could be potentially that they get bored of the device or they just forget to wear it. Um, and I think we often see novelty as like a negative thing. But then the flip side of that is also that people can use the devices for like a couple of weeks and they've got all the information that they need within that couple of weeks that they no longer need to use it long term. Um, So if they are interested in step count, for example, if they're aiming towards that 10,000 steps a day, um, they might wear it for two weeks and after that two weeks they've figured out, right, so if I do this in a day or this in a day, I'm going to get my 10,000 steps. If I don't, I might be a bit under. And so they don't necessarily have that reliance on the the technology anymore. They kind of know what they need to do in their their daily routine to achieve their physical activity goals. Mm. And what's what's your personal opinion? Do you think that's a better way that you kind of learn by by using technology, but then you know it without using? Or would you like this kind of intervention that they would still keep using and there would be maybe all the time new novelty information coming? How do you see what would be the best approach? Um, I think 
in the real world wanting to hopefully change you know public health it would be the form that you'd you'd want that not everyone would you know um not everybody would rely on these devices all the time so if you think about the cost of that to an individual not every individual not every family will have access to these type of technology um but i think from a research and research project side of things i think it's really interesting to have that long-term use and be able to kind of see patterns and you know changes in physical activity throughout an intervention so kind of one of the benefits is that you get um the wearable activity tracker that's quite valid and reliable in the measurement is that you can also measure that change of physical activity within an intervention not just kind of pre-post and that kind of um, looking at like behavior change techniques and figuring out why is there a change and how is there a change or if there's not a change um, but it's a it's a yeah a difficult one I think from a, an in research interest point of view it'd be nice to have people continue to use them and kind of identify some key patterns there and and in your review there was quite many studies do you do you happen to remember what was like the longest intervention and what was kind of the pattern that how long people were using and how long some studies were able to keep people using using the trackers yeah so from the top of my head um six months was the longest i can't remember if it was six months i think i believe it was that um they measured kind of pre and then post which was three months and then follow-up was a six months and i can't remember now if between that three and six months if they was given the option of of using the device as well um but it tended to be very mixed and i think in that particular case there was difference between boys and girls um so it was that the girls had increased their physical activity at three months um but not six months uh, or vice versa um i can't remember off the top of my head now um but yeah some studies are really interested in the the like adherence and the the use of the wearable um whereas other studies aren't they're just on you know they're just interested in whether it had an effect or not but not whether that was linked to um how much they wore the device and how, how do you see the behavior change like you can have the novelty effect like in in the first weeks then you changing habits the longest one was six six months do you think you can get uh, permanent changes made in in for example in a six months intervention or how difficult it is to permanently change behavior yeah I think that's a really good question and a very difficult one to answer. I think kind of the the kind of consensus isn't it is that you need to be kind of doing a behavior for six months and then that's kind of what will create a habit and things like that but I think particularly using wearables, you have this like trying to um you know make it a habit to use the wearable and then make it a habit to be active and in you know include physical activity within your behavior and your your routine um and there's very little studies that have looked into um you know the habit of using a wearable so i think it's yeah it's an interesting one and i think it's one that we need to to focus on a little bit more um within like the wearable literature 
Yeah, I was thinking about behavior change and if you compare adults to children, adults have been doing, depending on their age and depending on the things, but they might have been doing the same thing for several decades. So it's much more ingrained, the habits. So you would guess that changing behavior is much more difficult for adults than for children who haven't been doing. For example, they might have been in school just a few years so the habits are not so strong. So I think we have a better chance if we try to change the behavior when people are, are younger. Or what do you think? Yeah, no, I definitely agree. I think that um, it's definitely easier to change a habit in a child than, than an adult. I think that's kind of why people are interested in child physical activity more than adult physical activity, if that's your research area. Um, I think one of the interesting things from the work that I've done so within like the feasibility work that I did with families is this idea of when do you start trying to change um a behavior so within my PhD work um I decided to focus on five to nine year olds with that justification that um physical activity tends to decline at around nine years and it's kind of a continuous decline then into you know the rest of childhood and adolescence so my justification was well why don't we you know try prevent that decline and we focus on that that age group that younger age group that are a little bit more active but we kind of get that habit almost so we're kind of reducing that decline um but what I actually found with using the wearables is that the particular children and families that I worked with in most cases they were getting the feedback from the wearable and they were actually um it was confirming to them that they were really active and that actually led to kind of a like less motivation um for them so in one particular case there was um a child that when I asked whether or not they felt the wearable had changed their physical activity, whether they moved around a little bit more, they actually said they were doing less. <laughs> um, and when I was like, well, why? That's not what you want to hear as a researcher who's using these to, you know, try and increase physical activity. Um, they had this 10,000 steps a day goal. And what they found was that in the first week, they were consistently overachieving that. So they were getting 20,000 steps, for example. She so said, well, I was doing really well in the first week. So then I thought, why would I bother in the final week? Because I knew that I was doing double the amount of activity. Um, so then I guess it, it kind of links in with that habit of, do you kind of try and change that habit before it's an issue as like a preventative? Um, but then run the risk that they are active. So then they're, they're seeing, well, I'm active, so I don't need to change anything. Um, or do you kind of work till it is declining and try and then increase that? Um, but yeah, it was just a really, a really interesting, um, finding and a lot of parents as well within the study kind of made a few comments about it as well, kind of comparing their own activity to the child's and typically it was referring to, to step count. And in some cases they would say, oh, well, they were too active. And I wasn't active enough. And this idea of being too active, um, you know, it's quite concerning that, you know, because their child was um, achieving more than 10,000 steps a day, they 
they found that they felt that that was being too active rather than you know this is great that they are being active yeah that's that's a really interesting finding and do you think it's it's made a little bit like that because you are only measuring steps if you would have like you know more goals that you would need to have vigorous intensity certain amount moderate vigorous certain or moderate intensity certain amount breaking up sitting so there would be probably some factors which are not overachieving or you are not reaching the goals do you think the situation from that point of view would be better if you have more variables or how, how do you see this one yeah so with the devices we use we had things like Um, step count, heart rate, um, things that kind of told you how many minutes they would be in in certain intensities of activities. But because we was focusing on five to nine year olds, they weren't really interested in that side of things. They they only really paid attention to the step count. So even if they weren't getting those active minutes per se, so say if they were only getting ten active minutes um, a day, the fact that if they was getting you know, over 10,000 steps a day, that was the thing that they were really focused on and really interested on. I think it was, it's just easy for them to understand rather than, you know, there was a lot of interest in heart rate um, and kind of the change in heart rate, but not necessarily, you know, is that equivalent to them being active enough? It was, they were very focused on the step count more than anything. Yes, good points. And and then I wanted Hello? to ask... Excuse oh. me, could I ask one question before you? Yeah, yeah, sir, please, please go on. Do you work with children in physical activity? Okay, then you should listen to us. We wanted to tell you about this polar bear animation that is so cool. And we understood from his funny explanations why humans and polar bears shouldn't sit all day. Fabian device, it is an accelerator. And I could tell you all the specs. But you just need to know it measures accurately sedentary behavior and physical activity. And is scientifically validated. But most importantly, using it feels like magic. Yeah, like magic. Ding dong done. So, Lomo at Fibian.com slash kids. Please click it because it's important that kids all over the world can learn from polar bear. That's so awesome. Mom, can we have a polar bear as a pet? Please, Mom? Do you think the other variables were maybe too difficult for them to understand in in a in a easy easy enough way? Yeah, I think for some children, yes. I think I was quite like pleasantly surprised when um, there were some children that were interested in heart rate. There were some that because we kind of just started with a really open question of you know what were you looking at on your device. And again, majority of that would be steps. And then you kind of say, was there anything else? Um, and most of the time that would be heart rate. So it would be, you know, oh, I, it was nice to see. It went really high when I was running around and it went really low when I was sat down. Um, so they kind of 
understood that the change in heart rate by and I guess it depends on the child and the parents and the family and and the age and the understanding of whether they understood what that meant um but then I it's also then another question of do they need to understand what all these concepts mean um so that was one thing that we we asked parents was um whether they had any understanding of physical activity guidelines um and most of the time they suggested that the wearable didn't increase their understanding of physical activity guidelines or they would kind of say well they knew their child was getting 10,000 steps a day but I don't know whether that's meeting guidelines or not um so that was a really interesting in concept and even sometimes the the wearable outputs were actually confusing parents more because the differences in terminology. So obviously with physical activity guidelines, we're usually referring to moderate to vigorous physical activity within children. Um, but very few wearables will use that, that terminology. Um, so I guess it's not just the child's understanding, but then it's also the parent's understanding. But then we have to think about does it actually matter if they're understanding it or not? Are we trying to increase their awareness and their knowledge? Or are we just trying to increase their, their physical activity? Yeah, really, really interesting points. And I, I think that comes also like in the adult recommendation, the limit is like 150 minutes, but basically you have more benefits, you have more you do until a point. So it's just selected that, Maybe we can get people to do this amount. So let's put this that it, it's not like uh, not dismotivating or if it's too far. But then it could be also for adults that if they feel that, all right, I do the recommended level, but would we want to them to do more? So I think this is a interesting discussion how to where to put the threshold, what kind of things we want to encourage and say as a as a recommendation. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's it's that kind of understanding that just because you're increasing somebody's knowledge or awareness, I think a lot of the time within the wearable literature, it's about well, increase their awareness. But yeah, is that the primary goal or is the primary goal to increase the physical activity? And it depends on, you know, the research and the research question. Um, but just kind of understanding that increasing somebody's awareness and increasing somebody's knowledge of the guidelines doesn't you know necessarily mean that that's going to result in an increase in physical activity um particularly when you know there's there's a range of barriers and external variables that are potentially preventing them from from achieving the guidelines and and if we go a little bit backwards to your study design we started to talk more about the the results how how was the design of the study and how did you implement the behavior change wheel into it um so for the feasibility study um so for the feasibility study we had families use a wearable device for for four weeks and we kind of we measured some quantitative um parts of it so we had some questionnaires and those questionnaires were really designed around like the combi model so um, thinking about what are the 
you know, what's a parent and child and their family's capability, opportunity and motivation to one, be active, but two, use a wearable device. So have they kind of got the facilities to be active, the space, the time to be active? Um, do they have an understanding of physical activity guidelines, for example? Um, but then what are the potential barriers of actually using the device as well? So do they have, um, you know, access to a, to a smartphone, you know, Wi-Fi, internet, things like that? Um, so we did those types of measures and then we also had um, a focus group at the end um, where we kind of discussed the, the main barriers and facilitators of using wearables within the family. Um, so we focused a lot on kind of the technology acceptance model within that as well. So ease of use, uh, usefulness. So was it useful for increasing physical activity, um, for increasing their awareness, their knowledge? Um, and looking at potential mechanisms of action. So how were they actually using the device? Um, so with all of that, um, that helped us identify barriers of using the wearable and being active. So we've kind of got the barriers there and we've understood the behavior from that, which is one of the um, stages of the behavior change wheel. And then from that, you can use the behavior change wheel to develop like intervention functions, um, and components and behavior change techniques within your intervention. So we've got those barriers and we've identified them. And then the next stage, which um, I'll actually be conducting at the end of this week, which will be very exciting, is to present those barriers to families and physical activity experts in a kind of lay-friendly manner, so kind of using scenarios and vignettes. So this is a family's experience. What could we do? Like how what could we do to encourage you to use the wearable, for example? So that could be trying to overcome the novelty effect. Um, or, for example, competition. So competition was a big one in the feasibility study of what people used um, and how, people, how, family, how families use the device. Um, but then they also recognised some negatives of competition. So what we'll do is we'll present these scenarios. So do you think competition would be a good way to use these devices? But also, you know, this child doesn't really like competition. How can we overcome that? How can we encourage everyone to, to have a friendly competition without it leading to negative health outcomes? Um, so that's the main way that it's kind of using the behaviour change wheel, but throughout my whole um, PhD, so kind of each study, is almost addressing different parts of the behaviour change wheel to eventually then um, co-produce an intervention with families and then we can then identify behaviour change techniques, intervention functions um, that are part of that. Um, but it's a really nice way of doing it um, in the sense that when we do develop this intervention and hopefully if we do get a chance to implement it, we can identify those mechanisms of action, those behaviour change techniques, potentially why did it work, why didn't it work, is there anything we could do differently next time? Yeah, sounds sounds like a really, really good and comprehensive approach to designing it. Uh, and and you mentioned that you, you will be presenting the barriers soon. What, what were the, the main barriers for the technology use? Yeah, so one of them was with regards to the novelty effects, so kind of being bored um, 
of the device that was one of the main ones so how can we encourage people to use them um kind of alongside that as well is um barriers to using the app so you'll often get it where if you have a wearable or at least a commercially like available one you will get um an app that you can kind of link up to and you can not just kind of um monitor immediate feedback but it helps you monitor long-term feedback so there was a lot of um issues with with like using the app um so how can we kind of encourage how can we support people to use the app is it that we even need to use the app you know some families might not even be interested in that so those are, are two key ones um another one being with regards to the the guidelines as well so being able to interpret the outputs was a big one how can we help people understand what these outputs mean um and again we don't know whether that is going to increase physical activity or not but one of the the positive things within the feasibility study was that families like parents were really willing and really keen to know what these meant in regards to um government guidelines so whether it increased it or not this idea that they really wanted to know was a, a big thing that we identified. So how can we help people understand what this means? Is it that they just want to know how many steps a day that they should be doing? Is it that they want to understand what the term moderate physical activity means? Um, so those are the, the key ones. And then we're also going to be presenting some suggestions for the intervention. So the families in the feasibility study, they they gave us a few suggestions on, you know, what could we potentially um, include in our future intervention. So we're going to present them to families as well and say, do you think this is a good idea? How can we use it? What what does this intervention look like, essentially? Yeah, so one of the things you mentioned in the beginning was that they get bored. There's first the novelty effect and then they get bored. How do you, how do you see this? How could we overcome the board i think usually the apps are kind of crafts which come week by week and and you just have kind of numbers and crafts how how would you how would you make them less boring or more engaging yeah i think that's a really difficult question because i think with children being the target audience it's really difficult for me to know what are children even interested in these days and i think that's where the co-development, the co-production of actually involving children in these um, types of studies are really important. Um, I think children often, when we've asked in the past, um, it's all about gamification. Is that this idea of you know it's like playing a game, and I think they're still really interested in the traditional games of kind of being at level one and you kind of work your way up with the levels. So I think that would be the kind of the main place to start is just kind of switching it up a little bit, not having that same thing all the time, you know, trying to show them some sort of progression. But I guess that's where, you know, the including children and families in this type of research is really like crucial. Yeah. And then the other one was the interpretation of the results. Uh, I had a recording with Charlie Foster and we talked about the language to use should we I, I think the co-production is a good way to learn like what kind of language 
kids use, what kind of language parents use in different, for example, socioeconomic uh, groups. But of course, if it's moderate to vigorous intensity activity, maybe they don't use any language of it. So how do you see the language and communication? How can we make the results easily understandable and maybe they talk the language that children are talking? Yeah, I think it's, it's again, like it's an interesting one because like you say, not everyone's going to have the same language, the same terminology. And if you think about, um, you know, within the UK, there's some people who's, you know, English isn't their first language. So it's really difficult to, to kind of convey that. And again, I think it's the importance of including those, those people within the, the research and the children. Um, I think a lot of the time when I've worked with like within the feasibility, for example, it's about kind of giving everyday examples of these this terminology. So um, one of the interesting things that I found was that one parent, because um, the wearable that we used, it, it automatically recognises activity. So it would give you like a kind of vibration on your wrist, for example. And she said that one of the mothers said, you know, I got that when I was just doing housework and I didn't even think that housework would be classed as, you know, being active and physical activity. So I think it's that kind of trying to almost um, reframe what physical activity means. I think we're still kind of in the everyday um, general population, we still think of physical activity as exercise and and sports and very structured and giving people examples of you know doing this in your house is is actually classed as this moderate and this is really good for for you um and I think that will help kind of engage people who don't have access to sports and sports facilities and things like that is that you know you can still be active and do it within you know do it with what you've got and what you've got available to you yeah, good points. So we have been discussing now the 30 minutes and I think it could be a good part to wrap up this first first episode with you. Is there anything you would like to add to this this part of your your studies? Uh, not that I can think of. Not that I can yeah. think of. <laughs> yeah. So in the next recording with Amy, we are going to talk about how to provide feedback to children related to their sedentary behavior and physical activity. We started the little bit on that already but we will go deeper into that so thanks amy for taking time for this podcast thanks for joining us this week on physical activity researcher podcast if you like the show make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing or following the show on twitter this podcast is made possible by listeners like you thank you for your support If you found value in the show, we would really appreciate a rating on Apple Podcasts or whichever app you're using. Or if you would, in a real old school way, simply tell a friend about the show. It would be a great help for us. We have a fantastic lineup of guests for forthcoming episodes, so be sure to tune in. Thank you all for your support and have a great day.